time we are going to let our children to be dismissed to go to a time of children's church. Children are going to go with Miss Lois. And they all look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning, so. How great thou art. We serve a great and wonderful God. A loving and merciful God. God, if you want to see a picture of God's forgiveness, of His redemption, of His love, of His grace, of His mercy, read the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet who prophesied um, in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of Jeroboam II. And he prophesied to Israel that Israel had turned their backs on God and had gone away from the Lord, but yet he called them to repentance. He called them to turn back. He called them to come back to God, to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be accepted back into the family. And we today have a call of repentance. At one time or another, those of us who's given our lives to the Lord have, have heard that call and, and have turned from our ways, turn from the ways of the world and come back to the Lord. And there are others out there who we need to sound the call of repentance. And that's what I want to talk about today from the prophet Hosea. I want you to turn with me to chapter 14 of Hosea's prophecy. And we're going to look at all nine verses in chapter 14. Hosea chapter 14 verses 1 through 9. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take all iniquity away and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again our God to the work of our hands. For in thee the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily. He will take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout and his beauty will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. To them, to those who live in his shadow will again raise grain. They will blossom like the vine and his renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim. What more have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like the luxuriant cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. Father God, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. We ask, Lord, that you bless our time together. And Father, I just pray that the words spoken from here this morning will not be mine, but they would be yours. God, we come acknowledging your greatness. We come acknowledging your holiness. We come acknowledging you. And Father, when we see you for who you are, 
Help us to see ourselves for who we are. And help us to see our need for you. Lord, open eyes, open ears, open hearts to what you want to say today. Give us the courage to respond as you lead. Receive the glory to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this passage, we look at the call to repentance. The word repentance just means a turning. Like I was going this way and now I'm going this way because I have repented. I have turned from the way I was traveling to now the way that God is traveling and going with Him instead of going my own way. And so if you're a note taker and if you're keeping, um, keep, keeping track of, of as the points that we make as we go through, just want to let you know, give you a little hint. Today's message is brought to you by the letter R. You're going, it's going to come up a few times. Yeah, I see some old Sesame Street fans out there know what I'm talking about. So um, the first thing that I want us to see from this passage is that repentance requires turning back to the Lord. Repentance requires turning back to the Lord because we have stumbled in our sin. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Hosea 6.1 says. Come. Let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us. But he will heal us. He has wounded us. But he will bandage us. And Paul writes in Ephesians 2.3. Among them we all too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath. We've all stumbled. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We, we all have at one time been separated from God because of our sin. And we need to understand that that's, if we're saved, that's what God brought us out of. That's what God saved us from. When we decided that I'm not going to walk the way of the world anymore, I'm going to turn and go the way God's going, we left that aside. But the problem is we did not completely cast off this human flesh, this earthly nature, that's still with us. So there's a fight going on. As we go through that process. But we as best as it is up to us. Need to make sure that we're turning. From what we used to be. To what God wants us to be. And going toward what he would have for us. Because we have stumbled in our sin. And when we turn from our sin. And turn back to the Lord. We're going to find compassion and forgiveness. Take words with you. Return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all the iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Joel 2.13 says, rend your heart, not your garments. Let us return to the Lord our God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Micah 7.18 and 19 say, who is a God like thee who pardons iniquity, passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever. Because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, yes, thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Now, now, parents. Every now and then our children do things that upset us. And guess what? When, we're, when we were children, we occasionally did things that upset our parents. 
I know, it's hard to believe, but... And sometimes correction is necessary. But we don't stay mad forever, do we? And if you're still mad at your kids, then, um, you know, work that out. But, 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 but we don't. We don't. When our kids do something wrong, we correct them. We deal with it. We don't say, nope, you, you can't come back in my house. You left, you left the, the milk container open and put it back in the fridge. Nope, you're done. You're, you're sleeping outside with the dog from now on. And just for a little context there, where I'm from, dogs stay outside. I'm just, just I, I know that that's a shocker to y'all also, but, but, but we don't do that. We don't just cast them out and just get rid of them. Like, nope, you're, you're done. You can't never be back in the family. That's not how God treats us. Thank, thank the Lord that he doesn't treat us that way when we mess up and when we fall short. There's compassion, there's forgiveness. And you know, because we do the same thing with our kids. Even sometimes we try to stay mad. We can't. Especially when you get these little ones that give you the puppy dog eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can't stay mad forever. But God doesn't stay mad forever either. And he's pure and perfect and holy and we're not. So if we can be compassionate, if we can be forgiven, how much more is our Heavenly Father compassionate and forgiven to us? And we need to understand that when we come back, we don't need to be afraid of God. We don't need to be afraid. Oh, what I've done, he, he, he's not going to take me back. Or, or what, what's he going to do to me? He's going to love you. He's going to accept you. He's going to give you grace and mercy. He's, when you repent and turn to him, he's going he's to restore you to a right standing with himself. That's the God that we serve. So what do we bring to the table? Not much, I'll tell you. Just being honest. But what does God want from us? What does God expect from us? First of all, when we repent, there's got to be sincerity. Got to be sincerity. Psalm, 56, six, Psalm 51, 16 and 17, David is praying after... His sin with Bathsheba. And he's confessing and he's repenting from what he has done. And he said, for thou dost not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Thou art not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. It's not enough just to be sorry because we got caught. I hear that? Too many times we, 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 want it, we deal with it when we get caught. And we don't have a choice. But we have to deal with it. But is that really sincerity? Am I really sorry? And then we turn around and we do it again. If I do it again, am I really sorry? Is there a godly sorrow that makes me want to not just atone for this one thing, but get it completely out of my life? And turn completely from it and leave it where it is and follow 
what the Lord wants me to do and seek to strive to be more like Him. And it starts with being broken. God doesn't care how much money we give. God doesn't care how many times we're sitting on the pews. He doesn't care how many committees we're on. He doesn't care if we sing in the choir. He doesn't care what we do unless our hearts are in tune with Him. Unless it comes from a place of sincerity. Unless it comes from a place of brokenness and we really desire to be in a right relationship with God. It's garbage! We've got to come from a place where, Lord, I can't do anything without you. And sometimes we got to hit rock bottom before we look up. Because when we hit rock bottom, the only place we can look is up. And we, as the church, are getting too comfortable. We're getting to a place where we're like, well, well I'm okay. Nothing major's going on. Yeah, I got problems, but everybody got problems, but I'm better than that guy. I'm doing better than those people. So I'm all right. I don't need to do anything. Y'all, we all need to do something. We can't just stay where we are, because if you stay where you are, you ain't going nowhere. We're all moving. God's moving. And if we're walking with Him, we're moving too. And we're moving the direction that He's moving. And we're just getting started this morning. But y'all, it's so important. I think one of the things, and I've said this before, that the church is missing is brokenness. Can't put us back together if we're not broken. We have to admit from a sincere place that we need Him and only Him. And then what else does He want from us? He wants our praise. He wants our praise. It was beautiful this morning hearing the praises. Holy forever. How great Thou art. Glory to His name. Yesterday, today, and always. Singing praises to our Lord. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. Yes, we sacrifice our time. Yes, we sacrifice our money. But God wants our sacrifice of praise. And you've heard me say this before. We give praise all the time. We give it to celebrities. We give it to our sports teams. We give it to each other. And, that, and that's okay. But just like we give a portion of our, our time and a portion of our finances, we need to give a big portion of our praise where it belongs. We need to make sure that we are bringing the sacrifice of praise, not just when we're gathered here singing together, and that's wonderful, and we got to do more of that. But when we're out and about, when we're out in the world, Praise needs to just come out of our lives and everything we do and everything we say. And what else does repentance require? Repentance requires turning away from idols. Turning away from the things that can take the place of God in our life. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses again. Nor will we say again our God to the work of our hands. For in thee the orphan finds mercy. Psalm 33, 17 says a horse is a false hope for victory. Nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. And Isaiah 31, 1 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. 
and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek the Lord. It's real easy to look to things that are visible or tangible and expect them to do what only God can do. It's real easy to put our faith in other people. And even godly people are still people. And people mess up. And it's okay to take godly counsel. It's okay to learn from, from other Christians and to, to help and encourage each other. But we can't make the mistake of putting our faith in a person because that person's going to let us down. We've got to make sure that our faith is in God and then we help each other. But we understand that we're just folks. And we need to put God in the place that He needs to be. And we can't rely on anything else. Because that's what they would do. They would build these, these golden calves and these alt idols. And, and they would, these are our gods. But what's that God going to do for you? What's a statue going to do when you need the power of God? Nothing. It's just man-made. And sometimes we manufacture gods for ourselves. We manufacture things that we think are going to get us where we need to go. When all we got to do is reach out to the one true God and turn back to Him. We do that. Then we're going where we need to go. Hosea 8.6 says from Israel, even this, a craftsman made it. It is not God. Surely the calf of Samaria will be broken to pieces. The things of the world and other people are temporal. Therefore, we have no business looking to them to be for us what alone God can be. In repenting, we turn from the world and turn back to God only. So you ask the question, well, what's in it for me? So we talked about what repentance requires. We're going to spend the rest of our time today looking at what repenters receive. Repenters receive a new life. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. In this new life, we are restored. Isaiah 57, 18 says, I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I lead him. I will restore comfort to him and to his mourners. Jeremiah 3.22 says, Return, O faithless sons, I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to thee. Thou art the Lord our God. And when we come back to him, he gives us a new life. He establishes us as part of his family, as his children. Colossians 2.7 says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, we are restored. If you read the book of Hosea, God commanded the prophet to marry a woman who was not faithful. I would never trust a woman named Gomer anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> just saying, if your name is Gomer, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but she proved after he married her to be unfaithful. And yet God commanded him to go back and restore her as his wife. To bring her back into the family and restore her even after what she's done. Jesus tells the story in Luke of the prodigal son that took all of his inheritance before his dad even passed away. And, and just went out and, and squandered it all, blew it. 
on wild living. And then when he didn't have anything, he came back and he just said, well, dad, I've, I've sinned and, and I need, I just need a place to stay. I need food to eat. Make me like one of the servants. Let me stay back, you know, in the house with the servants. I, I'm not even worthy to be your son anymore. But the father didn't do that. The father restored him to his standing as a son. He put the robe on him. He put the sandals on him. He put the ring on him. He killed the fatted calf. He had a party. When we return to the Lord, we're not treated as outcasts. We're treated as His children. He restores us to a right standing with Himself. And we need to understand that that's part of the new life we have in Christ. We're not second class citizens. We're His beloved child. That's, that's right. That is right. We are restored. We are refreshed. Look at verse 5 and 6. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily. He will take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout and his beauty will be like the olive tree. And his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Proverbs 19, 12 says the king's wrath is like a roaring of a lion. But his favor is like dew on the grass. Lay, laying in a, in a dewy field in the morning sounds a whole lot better than running from a lion, doesn't it? When we turn to God, He refreshes us. And 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in His triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of knowledge of Him in every place. And I know a lot of y'all, you think about being refreshed in the morning in a sweet aroma. What coffee shop's coming to your mind right now? Some of you thinking Starbucks, some of you thinking something else, but but all of you thinking about coffee. That that smell in the morning when you go somewhere for breakfast and that coffee is brewing. That's refreshing, ain't it? Yeah, y'all want to go right now, don't you? But when we turn back to God, when we come into a right relationship with him, it is a sweet aroma. For him, of his children walking with him. And think about that. And we are refreshed by him. We're not having to, we, y'all, the world has worries piling up daily. You want to shake that off? We can't completely shield ourselves from it. We can't completely hide from it. But if we're walking with the Lord, if we're turning back to Him and letting Him carry the load, y'all will be refreshed. And that's the only way we do it. That's the only way we do it because every day is crazy now. Every day. Was it nine, ten days till school starts? Be. Be a little less crazy for those of us who don't have to go. But every day is crazy. We have to turn to God for refreshment. We are restored. We are refreshed. We are raised. Those who live in His shadow will again raise grain. They will blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. Isaiah 26, 19 says, Your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie on the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is as the dew of the dawn. And the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. 
Because just like when you plant seeds, they grow. When we come to the Lord, when we turn from our old ways, when we repent and come back to Him, He raises us up just like those plants are raised out of the ground from those seeds that were planted. When we spread the gospel, when somebody spread the gospel to us, the seeds that were planted were, took root and God raised us up. And established us as his children and came in to relationship with us. John 14, 23. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. We are raised to new life. We were dead in our sins. And he raised us up to a new life. I'm not that same person. Yes, I, I look the same. I talk the same. I, I dress the same. My hair's the same. But inside, I'm a different person. I'm a new creature. If any man is in Christ, the old things have passed away. And behold, new things have come. And we need to understand when we're in the new life, we've got to quit going back to the old life. It's the old life for a reason. Past is the past for a reason. Leave it there. Leave it there. And go forward. Not only do we receive, do repenters receive a new life, they receive a fruitful life. Oh, Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like a luxuriant cypress. From me comes your fruit. James 1.17 says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. When we repent and turn from the things in the world, we can better see and receive the things that God gives us. Sometimes God wants to bless us, but because we're living for ourselves, we're looking to other things to, to do what we need, we miss it. When we're, when we're not walking the way God's walking, we miss the blessings that He has for us. And then we can receive the things that He gives us, including the fruit that only He can bring from our life. Because that's the reason He raised us up, was for us to bear fruit. Why, why do you plant plants? Why do you plant fruit or vegetables or trees? Because you want them to grow. You don't just put seeds in the ground and then, well, they're there. Ten years later, you go back, well, that's where I put them seeds. They're still there. You want, you want it to grow. I mean, what was it last year? The kids just threw a bunch of pumpkin seeds out in the yard. And after a few months, we got a letter saying, you got to cut that mess down. It's ugly. Because it started growing. It started taking root. Fruit started being produced. When we are growing in Christ, fruit's going to come out of our lives. God is going to use us to bring other people to Him. He's going to use us to encourage other people. He's going to use us to help other people. He's going to use us to spread His gospel around the world. That's where the fruit comes in. And if we turn back to Him, we will see the fruit start to come out of our life. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, I see some heads going this way. All right, some of y'all are awake today. We will have a fruitful life. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Any fruit that comes of my life isn't because of me. I've never saved anybody. I've never healed anybody. I've prayed for people. And seen people get saved. 
I've seen people get healed. I've seen people get delivered. I've seen God work through me and through other Christians. But I know who's doing it. Because apart from Him, I can do nothing. But if we are in Him, we'll bear fruit. And finally, repenters receive an understanding life. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. Daniel 12.10 says, Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Proverbs 10.29 says, The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the upright, but ruin to the workers of iniquity. When we repent and turn to God, He gives us wisdom and understanding that those who do not know Him do not have. I think sometimes, church, we make the mistake of when we're trying to witness to somebody and we're trying to share our faith of assuming that they understand the things we understand. Sometimes we use church terms for people who aren't church people. And they don't know what we're talking about. You go to Walmart and ask somebody if they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. What is wrong with this person? We need to meet people where they are, just like somebody met us where we are. We need to make sure that we are calling upon God for our wisdom and for our understanding. Because as we grow in Him, we start to understand more. I understand more today than I did 10 years ago. And hopefully in 10 years, I'm going to understand more than I do today. And as we grow, He increases our understanding. But we have to be aware that those who don't know Him don't have that understanding. Because the word of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8 says, This present value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to the doom which they were also appointed. There's a lost and dying world out there that doesn't even understand that they're lost and dying. That's where we come in. That's where we who have turned back to God. We who are walking with Him. Need to go out and be His hands and be His feet. And be His messengers. To bring this gospel. So that they might also understand. Repentance means turning from our old ways, turning toward God and His ways. When we do this, we begin a new life where our sins are forgiven and we are established as God's children and we understand more than we did before. And it's important that we as individuals and as the body of Christ turn from the things we've placed before God so we can bear fruit for the kingdom by not pushing people away, but by bringing them to the Savior. Y'all, there's only two directions we can walk. With God and away from God. That's it. We're either walking with Him or we're not. There's no middle of the road. And so the question today is, is where are you 
in that journey? Are you walking with him? Are you, are you relying on the things of the world? Or have you turned to follow your Savior? Follow the one who gave his life so that you could live. And if you haven't, would you turn to him today? What is keeping you from turning? What is keeping you from that brokenness that's going to just force us to do what we need to do? And force us to, to want to move into that right relationship with God. Maybe there's somebody here and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe there's somebody here and you need to unite with this church. Maybe there's somebody here and you need to follow up that decision that you've made in your heart with baptism. In a few weeks, we're going to already got four candidates for baptism. There's room for more. There's that, that water, it, it'll hold more than that. So... Um, because we don't do it at the same time. So if, if that's something God's put on your heart, then I would invite you to come and, and let me share more with, about that with you. Maybe there's somebody that God's put on your heart that you need to take this message to. Maybe there's an area in your life that you just need to let go of and give back to Him. But whatever it is, we've all got something God's dealing with us about. Every one of us. As we sing this final song, just ask God to show you and ask Him what He wants you to do. And we're here. We want to pray with you. We want to share with you. We want to rejoice with you. If you want to cry, we'll cry with you. That's what we're here for. But just be obedient to what God is saying as we sing our final song.